Okay, I just have one uh, quick thing to go over, and then I'll open for question and answers. Um, well, obviously, we're having a fan appreciation day this Saturday in, in, in the stadium. Um, the gates on the west side of the stadium will be open at 1045. Uh, practice is slated to begin at 1115. Cameras will not be allowed to be used inside the stadium until completion of practice. So, like, when we do the, the autographs and that stuff, they... Uh, Autographs and that stuff, the cameras uh, can be used, but they will not be allowed uh, during Saturday's practice. Now, um, the coaching staff and the players will uh, be there at the, end, at the end. We'll set up tables by position group. We'll sign autographs for 30 minutes following the conclusion. Um, there's some KU posters and rosters and other promotional items that will be available uh, for the team to sign. Um, that in, in case people don't have some items, any items that people bring on their own, okay, that are not uh, Kansas promotional items, have to be personalized. You know, you all know about all the stuff that's going on, and this is our happy medium. You know, promotional items we put out, the people can just sign. If somebody brings something on their own, they have to be personalized. And... Uh, Katie will then get it out to the public so that people know that, you know, we're trying to do the happy mid, the middle of the road, you know, to try to appease everyone, but still kind of file compliance to not put us in any kind of precarious situation. Um, uh, in addition, um, the Hy-Vee Hawk Zone, uh, the inflatable games, they'll all be open there. That'll be from 9 to 11 uh, at, at the practice fields, you know, over adjacent to Memorial Stadium on the southeast corner. Now, what I'm just doing for you guys in turn, because there's no cameras on Saturday, that doesn't help you out in a lot of cases. I'm going to have for the media all, the whole practice open on Friday. Cameras the whole time. Okay, this way, that's my trade-off. So no cameras on Saturday, but you can have cameras the whole time on Friday. You're welcome. Okay, um, but this way it gives you an opportunity to get more footage. I know that you're all, all looking for some um, and allows us to stay in line to try to keep the fans and everyone else. We will open the press box on Saturday so that you can follow because we're, you're not going to be down on the field, you know, taking pictures and running with your mini cameras because there's no cameras. So we will open the press box. We will open the press box for you. To, to make it a little bit more convenient on Saturday. I'm not sure where I'm going to practice Friday yet. I don't know if it'll be on the practice fields or if it'll be in a game field. I know it'll be outside with this beautiful weather that we have here in lovely Lawrence. I mean, I feel like I'm living in San Diego. But um, is everyone all straight on what what's going on with the media and what we're going to give out to the public? I would appreciate if you helped get that out to the public to make our job a little bit easier. And on that note, I'm available. So, all right. Coach, can you talk about position groups or, or players, new, old uh, transfers that have impressed you, pleasant surprises? Well, let me start with, uh, you know, that the, there's so many different people that are involved in, in, in the composition of this team. You know, so many guys that that are coming in that are in the mix. That's good and bad news, obviously. And the good news is we got a bunch of good guys coming in. The bad news is, 
you know, you have to walk in the door and you know, we have to get them ready to play in a month. And, you know, that's the, the catch-22 you're in. I'm going to cite um, one, of the, one of the players. I'll, I'll cite two players, one of the new guys and one of the existing guys that has just um, done a wonderful job. Okay, uh, you've met, you've all met Cassius Sendish. You know, we I brought him to the media day. You know, we put him at this nickel position, but it's pretty obvious when we're out on the field that one of the people that stands out, both as a leader on the field and performer, has been Cassius. You know, it makes it more comforting for us because even though we practice him in the spring, you know, as we've tweaked the tempo of what we're practicing on defense, you know, when things are going high flying. People don't always have the same type of concentration because you have to think fast on your feet. And, you know, he's, he, he's been a very, I wouldn't call it a surprise, but I'm very happy to see how that's going. It makes us know that we have a corner-type guy who could rush the passer, drop in the zones, and also play man coverage in a nickel position. And to be honest with you, that position, you need to be able to do all those things. You, know, you need to blitz some. You need to be able to cover Okay, and you need to, both in zone and you need, need to be able to match up some man-to-man. -man. Um, another guy who's really had a, just a wonderful camp is Brandon Bourbon. You know, it's almost like a name that we don't ever talk about, you know, other than Tom, who's not here, wanting to move him to linebacker. You know, you know we don't ever talk about him because he kind of gets – he's kind of been buried a little bit in the depth chart why he's here. Now, you get buried because of your own play now. Not you know not because not for any other reason because you know we're going to play the best guys, but we put him in this position behind Tony and he has really thrived. He's been uh, he he's been one of the if if we asked everyone to rate the best five players in camp he'd be on everyone's list. Offensive coaches and defensive coaches we'll all put him on the list. So that's good, you know, that's, that's good for us because he runs, he catches, he runs routes, he runs routes in the backfield, he runs routes out of the backfield. You know, it's really given us another, you know, another guy that, you know, we really thought would be more of a backup guy, but now you're trying to find more ways to get, to get him involved and get him on the field. But you got a lot of new personalities, a lot of voiceless personalities. Just kind of curious, does that actually, in what ways does that help your job? In what ways does that actually make things more difficult? Well, on the, on the field, I don't, I don't stifle personalities. You know, I, I like people to have personalities. And, you know, I have my, my personality with you guys is way different than my personality in practice. And my personality in practice is way different than my personality for the games. You know, it's, it's not, you know, there's different settings. You know, my thing with some of those guys has been well documented by a couple of them is I try to teach them the right way of presenting themselves off the field. It's, I could care less if, you know, you know, if they're talking trash and all that other stuff. I don't mind that at all. kind of like it a little bit, to tell you the truth. I always like those type of players. But in the meantime, there's a right way and wrong way of handling yourself, and I just oh, I have a strong conviction personally. I have a strong conviction that part of my job when guys come in is to help educate them how in the cyberspace world that we live in, you know, you have to be accountable for everything you say. And I think that, you know, obviously the game has changed, you know, 
And I think that uh, I think that they actually appreciate it more once they realize that you're actually doing it for their protection, not to stifle their personality. Coach, have you been pleased? I mean, you have those JUCOs that, that weren't here in the summer in June and July, and, you know, Isaiah Johnson, Rodriguez, those guys that came a little late. You always wonder how they're going to come in, what kind of shape they're going to come in. Well, well, let's use those two guys, for example. Sure. Okay, so Isaiah, the first time he took the condition test, didn't pass the conditioning test. This morning at 6 o'clock, he passed the conditioning test. So, you know, whereas Rod, you know, he could have run the conditioning test again after he ran the conditioning test. Okay, I mean, Rod is, you know, stock is way up, you know, on Rod. And as you all know, we needed somebody at the receiver position to be able to say something like that about. But we're, once again, if we're rating players on the team and people talked about wide receivers, everyone would bring up Coleman. And it's Rodriguez. Okay, let's make sure he doesn't like being called Rod. Uh, just like Fondal is Fondal. Okay, so, okay, I, you know, I have to, sometimes you have to learn as, as, as you go along. With so many new players and kind of, it, it's not year one, but is it year 1.1? I mean, do you almost feel like kind of starting over with bringing in so many new guys? <clears throat> I think that it's really important for the coaches not to overcoach. Okay, and what I mean by that is not to try to put in so much stuff that these guys don't have a chance to catch on. Because the more you have to think, the slower you play. I think that our team, you know, our team will be ready for September 7th. But I think that the installation will just grow as the year goes on because it's important that your guys know what to do. You know, in, in the past, you know, the coaches, you just start saying, oh, we're going to run this, that, and the other thing, and guess what? They can't handle it. And you, so you have to change rather than them change. You have to be astute to what they can handle and what they can't handle and then and, and tweak your installation accordingly. To that point, can you do enough with your, with your new style of defense and, and having those three coaches down on the field? Can you do enough in practice to feel like by – game one or, or week one, that, that that's going to be pretty smooth? Or, or yes. Uh, as a matter of fact, we're, we're getting through this Saturday. And then really we're going to take starting next week, which is really a transition week for us. Next week, like one of the things we'll do next week is run two huddles of offense against one defense. And that won't be – that this will be a defensive period, not an offensive period. But like an offense will go to the line of scrimmage and they're running a play, and as soon as they're done, 11 guys will be on the ball to get ready to stop the next one. Okay, it'll be kind of a conditioning period for the offense because they'll be running on and off the foot field the whole time. But the whole deal is to, to be able to let the offensive players know what they're supposed to do on the play for the defense and be able to practice it at such a high tempo where the players get lined up and are ready to go. Now, I've never had to do that before. I've never done it before. You know, but imagine trying to get a show team to simulate tempo and give you a look at the same time. I mean, it's the bad news bears reincarnated. You know, so or this, is, this is, we've had to do a lot of thinking. How do you do this? How do you practice it? And that's, you know, we're, that's going to, 
it's going to kind of be comical to watch, to be perfectly honest with you, because I'm, I'm not in charge of this stuff now. I'm just going to sit back and watch it, watch it flow. But it was my idea. So I said the only way we can kind of simulate tempo is by use a whole nother 11 guys every other play. And so, like, one team's in, the other team's looking at the card for the next play, and as soon as that boom, boom, they're to the line of scrimmage, and now they're ready to go. So now you can snap a ball in 10 to 15 seconds. You know, maybe that's what Art does down in, you know, maybe that's what, what they're doing at Baylor. Maybe they're just holding a card up, here's the next play, because I have no idea how they do it. I'm not that smart. I really am. I'm not that smart. But the idea is that is to try to help the defense get used to the. Uh, that's the whole thought methodology. Now, I've never done that before. Okay, but that's what you, you know, that's the nature of the game right now. Okay, and it's the only way we can give a realistic look to the defense, both by execution of the play and the tempo of the play. So that's one of the things that we're going to do for the first time. We'll probably do it for the first time Sunday, and it'll probably be pretty funny to watch, you know, because practicing and just to be able to do it is, is it's going to take some work. You know, it's not the – just the, the show team is going to take some work. Forget about the defense, just just to be able to get it. But once we get it, I think it'll all it will do is benefit – benefit the defense greatly because now it won't become as much of a fire drill when when they're actually playing in the games and people are trying to snap the ball snap the ball you know at a very high tempo coach you expressed uh, during spring tra uh, during spring ball a little bit of disappointment in Ben Haney's performance you said that he turned it around a bit and has that you know what's the performance been like so far yeah, and how does the new defense change his role I have no concerns with Ben at this at this point. You know, I think Ben Ben is ready to go. You know, he looks like a caveman. Okay, but 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 he's but he's ready to go. I might institute a cut your beard policy here before too long, but uh, um, I really have no concerns, and there's no doubt that he'll be one of the main factors in not only performance but of leadership of our defense. I've been very pleased. Now that you're practicing pads, what's your philosophy on live hitting, contact, and practice? How physical do you want it to be versus making sure guys well, are healthy? Well, like today, we had this morning, we had four four major periods. Two of them were thud, and th two of them were full speed. You know, so thud means don't take, don't cut on offense, and don't take them to the ground on defense. Now, people end up getting knocked to the ground. Some it isn't like you never go to the ground. But the idea is don't take them to the ground in those periods. But you can't, you know, you can't practice tackling without going full speed. You can't pra practice cutting without going full speed. You know, in the past, I never would cut. But then you end up being the worst cutting team in America. And, you know, that's part of what you do. You know, it's a big disadvantage to offensive players before they're allowed to cut. Because just think about a blitzing linebacker that all they're doing is bull rushing you just trying to knock you over. Well, the easiest way to end that is cut, them, cut their legs a couple times. Then all of a sudden that, all of a sudden that rush isn't nearly as, as hard because they're, they're afraid that you're going to go cut their legs. But until you go full speed and don't let them do that, you know, it's a big, you know, it's a big advantage to the defense. We'll be talking to, to Tim and his guys later on today. We talked about the running game. We always mentioned the running backs. But on the offensive line, there are some departures from last year. Where, where, where's that unit at? Well, I think that the thing, 
Let, let's start with the fact that I've been very, very pleased with the competition, you know, the competition at the position where we've been rolling through three lines and there's been two lines that I think have really been, you know, it's a question, are the threes competing with the twos? Or are the twos competing with the ones? You know, and sometimes you don't know which way, which way it's gonna go. But right now I have a lot of the twos competing with the ones, which is good. Some of them are fading out of, out of that mix. So if you go to a game, you might say, well, you, do you have 10 linemen you could play? Yeah, but you'd only play seven of them, or you'd only play eight of them. It all depends on who's, play, you know, who's playing really well. For example, Randall, I'll give you an example. Randall Dent's running second team guard. Well, those two guys ahead of him are playing really good at guard. I mean, Nalo and Smithberg are playing really good. So right now he can't beat them out. But I'll tell you what, if we were going to the game, I would be ready to play Randall Dent at either guard because his, his level is this far below the first two guys. Okay, and I'm using, just citing that as an example to go with what you're talking about. Why don't you talk to some of the guys at VU that, you know, there's a lot of emphasis about last year, the, the passing game struggling. But it seemed like it affected the entire team because, the, the, you know, obviously you only had the running game, but it also put a lot of pressure on the defense because they knew you guys couldn't afford to fall behind. How important is the, running, uh, the passing game this year just kind of letting the whole team know that we've kind of got a full package? Well, I'm going to address briefly the first part of that, and then I'll answer the second part. Uh, I think that there's two ways of looking at that, you know, with the with the running game being the only thing you have going. Then another thing you had is you didn't have any toughness. And the one thing the the team grew at by the end of the year is they were confident they could run the ball against anybody. So even though you have a crummy record, okay, you walk out of there saying, what what were we good? What did we attain? What did we get any better at? And one thing you could say, there wasn't anyone on the team that thought that we couldn't run the ball. And there weren't any fans either that thought we couldn't run the ball. Okay, but at the end of the day, usually in football theory, you used to run to set up the pass. Okay, and I think in our team, I mean, because we've become a good running team, okay, the run really, the pass will really set up the run, will protect the run. Okay, it'll be just the opposite in football theory because of what we did last year, bagging the passing game and putting all our energy into the running game. The residuals now come. I'm going to game plan us right now. The first thing I'm worrying about, well, let's make sure we stop the run. Well, guess what? To stop the run, it makes it, that makes it easier to throw the ball. So I think we've gotten the investment we put in last year in the running game will pay dividends this year because now the passing game will help protect the running game. It's just, it's just really the opposite mentality of the way you normally think about it when you're talking about play, action, pass, and the like. Last year, at this time, you were pretty high on James Sims. Um, where can he get better, and how has he performed this morning camp? Well, the best thing that I like about James Sims is with all these running backs, he's still clearly number one. Okay, and remember now, the guy who came in, Used to be, but used to be ahead of him. Okay, and those other guys that were behind him, they're pretty good too. So James could have gone a lot of different ways coming into this camp. He could have felt the heat, he could have felt the pressure, and then all of a sudden somebody slipped by him. 
But all he's done was all he's done. Not only has he competed, but I mean he's he's playing he's playing really well. I mean he's tough. He 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 has good vision. You know it's important to him. He's good enough in the pass game. Okay, he's good in blitz pickup. I mean he's 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 playing pretty good. Now each one of these guys has their thing. I mean like James will never be as quick as Darian. That's never happening. Okay, but you know he's he's a pretty complete player. Coach, how's battle uh, at special teams going? Well, which which element? We have so many elements to discuss, John. Where would you like to start? Kick return, punt return, and place kick. I think that, uh, first of all, kick return you don't get to use very often. Uh, well, our te teams, we've covered plenty of kicks. Okay, but, you know, there's, there's more touchbacks than there are, you know, there's a lot of touchbacks in the college football now. Uh, I think kits, kick return, we've only practice at full speed once. I'll reserve judgment till after we've gone through another time, although we're rolling through six returners that are all in the mix to be there. And that's holding Tony and a couple of guys that we know we could put back there at any time. You know, we're trying not to use a guy like him as a kick returner unless we have to. And if we needed a big one, you know, still the most dynamic guy we would have would be Tony. You know, but uh, right now I would try to do my best to not use Tony. Okay, punt returner. Once again, we're using three or four guys, but you know we've all, we're uh, we're hitting that for the second time coming up here too. So I'd like to have at least gone, you know, with pads on, you know, a couple times before I make a judgment on exactly where we are on those. What are, any other special teams uh, things while we're on special team? I think that right now, you know. Um, They've had some guys have had good days and bad days, like you know Mesh. We all know we're waiting to see with him. Like yesterday, he yesterday he was five for five. Yesterday, now the day before he wasn't five for five, but yesterday he was five for five. You know, so you just you know you just go and you keep evaluating. You know, you know he he's he's he got a pretty consistent leg. Still, the biggest leg on the team is not close. I mean, if it came down, you had to kick a 52-yard. Like today in practice, we kicked a 52-yarder with Perdula. I mean, it was, for him, 52 yards wasn't a big hit. Wasn't a big hit. It wasn't a big hit. You know, for, for us, you know, if making a 40-yarder used to be a big hit. You know, so I could possibly see using a shorter field goal kicker and a longer field goal kicker. I could, I could possibly see that. I could see that as a potential, but we'll just wait and see how it plays out. Charlie, with a guy like Pierce Slater who you know, commits in July and signs one of those non-binding financial aid agreements, are, are you basically recruiting those guys until they get on onto campus? How about till the morning he arrived? You know that. If you, ever, I, I'm not going to really go into that, but if you ever knew that story, I could at least a chapter could just be just that story. I mean, it's at least a chapter long. I mean, it's a, it's a long story, but uh, I was very happy to see the, the big man walk on campus. That's all I can tell you. But um, at the end of the day, you know, you sign a grant and aid, there are things that are advantage Kansas, meaning we now, once you sign a grant and aid, can now communi can communicate. 
you can call, you can text, where no other school can, but once a week. Okay, so you do have open, you have a better lines of communication than any other school. Uh, it's, once they've signed a letter of intent and a grant aid, that, that they're, they're done. But if they sign just a grant, just a grant and aid, which in his case, you couldn't sign a letter of intent. You only could sign a grant and aid. You, know, you still had to to have you know keep on recruiting. Which I don't console that. I don't really consider that just recruiting. I consider that building relationships. You know, we still had to do that anyway, because once a guy is ours, he's ours for good. So you want to build relationships with him and his mom and the people around him. You know that that's important. She said you uh, met with Andy Reid uh, last week or two weeks ago, and he's going through his own rebuilding process with the Chiefs. Did you guys see any similarities in your positions and <coughs> We usually talk about family. We don't talk much about football. You know, he, t he you know, he went. What he did do is he went back and watched the uh, way, you know, what I did with Jamal and what I did with Dexter and some of those uh, those guys when I was there, but. You know, we're we're very close friends. Football is not really the 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 head of our you know our hit list of things we talk about. And we tell he told me about our play. He talked about Bradley. And he talked about Tobin. They kind of like both of those guys. And you know, there's a chance that both of those guys could be around in some capacity. Tobin included. Everyone talks about Bradley, but I mean, there's a chance that if they don't make the team, that they both would have a chance of making a practice squad, which. Not six figures. That's you know that's good stuff that ends up happening. But you know we talked about Pisano because I coached him when I was at Notre Dame. We talked about Frankie Hammond because I coached him when I was at Florida. You know so uh, it was it was it was fun. But really for the most part, you know I got there early that day so we could spend a couple hours really catching up on family. That's because that's really what we usually talk about. You, you talked last week about Jake carrying over what he'd done. Has he has he done that? And, and maybe could you talk quarterback position as a whole here? Uh, he's he's done that, and I'd say Michael has been very. I wouldn't call it a pleasant surprise, but Michael's had a really good camp. You know, I didn't know whether Michael would be competing to be number three, or competing to be number one. I didn't know which way that would go, but uh, he's competing to be number one. Which that that's a good thing, it, you know, because the easy thing to do in Michael's position is just say, well, you know, Jake's playing playing better than me. I'm never going to get a chance, and and that's not what he's doing. He's trying he's he's trying to beat him out. So uh, not only has been it, has Jake played well, but Michael playing well has put some heat on Jake. And I think that any time you have heat, you know, as far as depth charts goes, that's a good thing. I do. I think it's a good thing. Is there a time, I mean, that you'll want to settle that competition? Oh, no. Jake is one and Michael's two. That, that isn't, but the question, I'm getting Michael, Michael ready to play. Okay. I think that my, I'm not getting Michael ready to be the backup. I'm getting Michael ready to play. That's what you do in training camp. You get them both ready to play, you know, and uh, then you wait and see how it goes. I mean, I can talk about Montel and Jordan, too. I mean, you know, Montel, Montel might, might be playing as good as anybody. But you just don't, you can't give everyone, you know, when you have 24 snaps in a period, you can't give everyone, you know, equal number of snaps. It just doesn't work that way. What's Jake's uh, intangibles, leadership, 
Game study, that kind of, well, that's that's probably his greatest attribute, to be honest with you. Ours intangibles, probably his greatest attribute. You know, he's that's just the you know at the quarterback position. You know, just as important as accuracy being the number one physical attribute, the the biggest attribute to the quarterback position is leadership. By far, it's more important than anything. Put it like this: Even if you're accurate, if you're not if you're not a leader, no one's going to want to play for you. It's probably more important than anything. Can you talk a little bit about the battle of the linebacker position specifically on that weak side? Well, I think that that those two guys at will have played so good that I could see uh, I could see those guys, one of those guys rotating in and out at Michael linebacker too. I could see that happening. Now. The thing is, you got two different because Samson's playing really good and Jake's playing really good. So what you end up doing then is one of them, well, is going to end up getting cross-trained. Right now we haven't gotten to that point yet, but I don't know which one will end up being. But you know, they, they're they're both they're one and one A. You know, those two guys. We you know Heaney's clearly the starter at Mike, but I think that if the best other inside linebacker. Let's 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 say Jake is the starter and Samson's the backup. Okay, well if Samson's better than Skyler, then you know somebody, either Jake or Samson, is gonna have you cross trained at Mike. And right now we've been very happy, you know, with that competition at will. And we haven't been disappointed with Prince Candy either, to tell you the truth. You know, but uh, but you know, he just hasn't played as good as those other two guys. Charlie, uh, just getting back to Jake, we can see kind of those intangibles when we talk to him and the leadership. But I'm wondering, when he came in last year, did he? You think he almost needed uh, a year off to kind of recharge and um, maybe re rebuild himself, um, maybe even from a confidence standpoint? I mean, did you guys work on that last year as well? Uh, one thing I had told him, you know, well, one one conversation. Let's let's just say from my background. I remember having a conversation with Phil Sims one time, my second my second year in the NFL. Now Phil had been the starting quarterback with the Giants forever. Okay, and then the, uh, he got hurt after the 11th game of the season, or whatever, when we were like 10 and one, and Hostetler came in, and we ended up winning a Super Bowl with Hostetler as the quarterback. So then Parcells leaves, and the next year, you know, in training camp. They end up picking Hostetler to be the starting quarterback. Okay, now I'm coaching the running backs, but my vote really didn't have, you know, I didn't have much of a vote because I just flipped from being a defensive guy to an offensive guy that year. You know, I, and the reason why I spent a lot of times with the quarterbacks is because I was the offensive signal caller. And I said to him, you know, we were struggling there early in the year. I think the team went like eight and eight. But Sims had said to me, he goes, you can't lead. At the quarter, you can't lead the team when you're not playing. He goes, you just have to bide your time to when you are playing. And I really think that that's what Jake just went through. You know, Jake was probably, arguably, maybe easily our best quarterback last year. But he couldn't play. So you can't be a leader. You know, you can't be a true leader when you're not playing at the quarterback position. I think he was just chomping at the bit, you know, just waiting. I mean... And he, he couldn't wait for that plane. I'm surprised he didn't meet us at the plane after the West Virginia game. 
because now it, now it had become his time to truly be back in the mix. And I think that that gave him an opportunity to kind of step up and step forward and, you know, and be able to open his mouth as not just as a teammate, but now as a guy who is willing and able to accept a leadership role. You mentioned Brandon Bourbon. You got Tony Pearson that I guess playing the Tavon at Boston role or whatever. How excited are you with, with Jake and the running game and those guys? What that position can do? It's giving us a lot of a lot of flexibility. It's you know because those two guys, Tony and Brandon, can do a lot of things, and because they can, see, we didn't know for sure that Brandon could. You know, I I. That, that was me, like, no, I wouldn't say it was a hunch, but that was just me trying to take a guy that I thought gave us the best chance other than Tony. So because those guys are smart and they're versatile and they can, they can both run the ball very well, but they can catch the ball very well, it, it allows us to do some things that last year we just weren't capable of doing. As far as what Colin Spencer is learning from those guys and at that position, I mean, is he learning a little bit from each guy, or, or is he more Tony or more Brandon? Or oh, I'd think? say he's more Tony, just by girth alone, just by size alone. But you know, it's a little different being a freshman, you know, than than being around here for three years. You know, it's 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 a different game. It's a totally different game. Coach, how much better is the defensive line just from a physical standpoint this year with all those bodies and just the whole thing? Well, I'll just say that Buddy White told me this morning, thank you for talking him off the ledge. Okay, because he said, I was on that ledge ready to jump the first year. You know, and now he goes, it's nice to be able to come out to practice and walk through the stretch lines and say, okay. I got some guys to put in there now. I mean, we were awful. And we were awful at many positions, okay? We were awful. We were awful at, we were awful at head coach, in case you're wondering. But, you know, you know, I'm trying to improve. And, you know, to be, per to be perfectly honest with you, to, it, it perks you up as the defensive line coach, you know, the, the rest of the defensive coaches and the head coach to see some guys with athletic ability and then being able to go two and three deep, you know, and put guys in and don't see a huge drastic drop off from one to the next, you know, that it, it's very encouraging. Coach, can you talk about the tweaks and the, and the rules and uh, in regarding uh, the extent that they're protecting the receivers over the middle as an offensive mind, do you, you game plan with that on how much uh, I guess peace of mind they can have over the middle. Well, we actually watched a video from the Big 12 just a couple of days ago. The first day in pads, you know, at our team meeting that morning, the B12 sends you all these videos that you know they don't know what you do with them. But I actually copied them off and showed them to the players to show what they were what they were calling. And then we then you know a couple of guys that were at practice saw. Then we actually went out. And I had Coach Bowen and a couple of the players demonstrate what the rules were, not only to protect your, uh, to, to not get a penalty, but to not get a concussion. You know, so I think that we all know that concussions are a big, big 
reason why these rules have come into play. You know, head, most uh, head injuries have become a major issue. Okay, not that they weren't a major issue, but they've really become a major issue. And I think that you have to spend the time both by showing on video and showing them on the field the right and wrong way of doing things. Keon said he actually went home and downloaded a couple Bon Jovi songs, turning some of these guys. They're actually starting to sing the words. It's taking them a little time, you know, it's taking them a little time, but I'm very pleased that, you know, I can hear the courses for It's My Life and Living on a Prayer and, you know, it's it, it's the, it, it only took them a year, but, you know, they've kind of figured out to roll with it. They, I've cut down, I've made them cut down from two songs to one song. I only get one, and I don't get to pick it. But when it's not, not one of the ones I like, I make sure they know after practice that I really didn't appreciate it too much. You know? But you guys think that I'm spending a lot of time picking the Ryzen from Springsteen, you know, because we're rising from the ashes. No, that's, on the, that's not on me, although I think it was an apropos choice, just in case you're wondering.